Funny thing about truth, it's true whether you believe it or not. That's a great line, is it not? That is a great line. It, it's something that at some point every person, whether they overtly think about it or not, every person has to decide. Is there something that's true that's, that's outside of me? You know, it's out there somewhere, but it's, it's true. It's not because I agree with it or because I like it or any of those things. It's just true outside of me. And, and I may see it. I may care about it. I may not, but it still remains true on its own. So when, when we are in the church and we're thinking about truth, I always come back to what Jesus himself said. And it just kind of blows your mind when you try to really figure out what he meant by this. But he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus himself, he said, I'm the truth. Not there is a truth and I'll bring it to you. I am the truth. Yeah, just stay on that for a while. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And so... When we gather together as the Church of Jesus Christ, I mean, I know what happens. It's, it's the faith family that gets together, and then, you know, other people come in, and, and, and we're just so happy everybody's here. But I realize that some of the things we sing about and some of the things we say, I mean, it's just going to sound strange, you know. If you're, if you, it's just like if you go to a family reunion somewhere. You know, they start uh, cracking inside jokes, and you don't know what that's about, right? And, and that's kind of how it feels, you know, when, when people come and they gather together with a faith family, and we start talking about things and they're going, I'm not sure about that. So that happens a lot. But we're talking about things that are true, but we're talking about the one who is the truth. Now, here's how this ties together. For four weeks now, this is the fourth Sunday, we've been doing a series called Open Door. And it's all based off of, and I'm going to do this in the wrong order, but just stay with me, Ross. I do it every week. So... We've, it's based off of something Jesus said in Revelation 3. He has a letter that he gives to seven, seven letters to seven churches. And to the seventh church, he writes this letter and he says to them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. In other words, Jesus says, I'm outside. And I'm knocking on your door. If you'll open the door, I'll come in and we'll fellowship together. We'll have a meal together. Kind of like we still do today. I mean, that's what fellowship and food always go together, right? Because we're Baptists, and that's how we do it. It's just, it's just true of everybody. So that's what Jesus said. Now, here's the really scary part about that verse, and I remind you of it every single week. Jesus is writing to a church, but he's saying to them, I'm on the outside. I'm not in there with you. I'm out here. I'm knocking on the door. Will you open the door and let me come in? So what that means is for any group, you know, any church, any group like us, it's quite possible that we could come in the door, set up our stuff, do our thing, and, and not bring Jesus in. That's a real possibility. And it sounds terrible. And so, how do we open the door? You know, how do we, how do we make sure that Jesus is here and that He's part of all the things we do? I know there's the indwelling Spirit. We're going to read about that in just a few moments in Colossians chapter 1. But just based off of that, that idea in Revelation 3, how do we open the door? And so... I gave you several of these, and we started with the house rules. And I'm looking around because the kids have left now. It's kind of changed. So you'll see Barbara already knows. Justin's not here. You're okay, Barbara. You do. You're, Shannon's close enough. So house rules. We said, what are some of the things that we do to make sure the door is open? And we had kind of a set of rules. And just These are things that we try to do. Things that we try to do to make sure the door is open and that Jesus is here and he is working with us. And what's house rule number one? 
Y'all got it. No one sits alone. No one sits alone. So if you're sitting alone and somebody jumps up and comes to sit by you, that's what it's about. It's kind of a house rule. It's what we do. Now, I've told everybody, like if you're new to this, and I've told all of our church before, if somebody comes to sit by you and you get up and move, they're off the hook. It's okay. Like, you know, if they weird you out, you don't want to sit by them, you move, they're not supposed to follow you around. That's creepy. Okay? But they're supposed to show up one time. You're not supposed to sit alone. Because no one should ever come and be a part of our fellowship, be in this service, and leave, and they just sat by themselves the whole time. Nobody really talked to them or said, hey, or said, can I sit? It just shouldn't happen. That's one of the ways we open the door. And so we've got seven of those. And we actually, I had my daughter-in-law design us a poster for that, the house rules. There are seven of them. And if you actually, if you go to our website, y'all don't know this yet. I haven't told anybody. But, but I had Lauren open us up a store. And if you go to the store, the posters are there. You can buy one. She designed them. They're great, and they have the kind of the logo, the house, the open house stuff on it. Neat. Uh, you can also get a T-shirt or a coffee mug because I'm all into coffee mugs. Anyway, that's the first time I've mentioned that in public. There is there is actually a store, but there there's the poster, the house rules, and and I I would love for you to know them all because those are the things we do. So the second thing is we talked about the house values. In other words, these are the things we do, and we do it because we value these things. And so we spent a week talking about that. Then we backed it up to the house mission. So we do these things and we value these things because Jesus gave us a kind of mission, a specific mission. We call it the Great Commission. And so we spent week three talking about that. And today we're going to back it up one more step, and it's the house hope. So we do these things because we value these things, because we've been given this commission, this this thing to do, and that's all because of our hope that is in Jesus Christ. So everything begins with Him. That's why we tried to sing songs today that kind of speak to the hope we have in Jesus. So real quickly, what can you do? Uh, you've been a part of this. Does anybody know how many weeks we've been meeting now? Fifteen. Thank you. You didn't say fifteen, did you? She's like that. Fifteen weeks. So fifteen Sundays we've been meeting together. And I still get this question. Either, you know, people will message me, call me, or just see me and ask me, you know, how can I help? Because we're we're fifteen weeks into this and and here's the quick thing. Here here are my quick answers to everyone. If you want to help be a part of what, what's going on with Harvest Light, do this. Number one, pray. Pray every day for your church family and for the things we're doing. Do that every day. Number two, talk up your church. Just, just tell people. Just let them know where we are and what we're doing. You know, we, we can be hard to find at the Harris Center. You know, you don't accidentally go by the Harris Center most of the time, right? So just talk up your church. And we had so much fun yesterday at the yard sale, meeting people, talking to people. And, you know, I, I was amazed at how many people I had never seen before when I started talking to them. And they'd say, you know, what is this about? And I'd tell them Harvest Light Church. And they said, oh, at the Harris Center. Shocking. I didn't know that. They knew. So just things like that would happen. But just talk up your church. Number three, give. And I just, you know, I just say pray and give. Summer's that time when expenses go up and typically giving goes down. We've never had a summer together, so we don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I just say pray and give, and this is my assurance to you. God will always provide all the money we need to do all the things we're supposed to do. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. So that just means if we don't have the money to do something, we're not supposed to do it. <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? Does it work that way at your house? That's how it works in this house with us, exactly. But, but just pray and give because all the things we're supposed to do, that money is going to come from you, from your giving, from the work we do, the fundraising, all those things. That's where that money is going to come from. So just pray and give. And then number four, serve. Please find your place to plug in. 
Um, here, you, you can do this for a little while, okay? You can sit and soak. You know what I mean? You can sit and soak. Like you can show up and you can find a place and you can just sit down and say, you know, this was great. I enjoyed it, everybody. See y'all next week. You can do that for a while. But if you really want the church to become my church, like if you want to feel like you're a part of it, if you, you want to be vested in what's going on, you got to find a way to plug in. you got to find a place to serve. And so um, we, we may have... In other words, you represent the gift, the talent, the opportunity. You represent all of those things. Things we may not be doing yet, and we're not going to do it till, till you come along and plug in. So just find your place to serve. These are the ways that we're able to help. Now, let me read the scripture. I, oh my goodness, I didn't know where I could start or stop. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're reading from. My focus is verse 26 and 27. But... If you didn't have an English Bible, you know, let's say you were Greek and you were reading this in Greek, chapter one's one sentence. Like there are no periods in there, it doesn't stop. It's just one giant theological doctrinal sentence. That's what it is. And it is it is loaded with truth about Jesus Christ. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually start reading in verse 21, which is not on the screen, and I'm going to get to 26 and 27 because I, I just want you to hear some of this before we actually get to the part that's about the hope we have in Christ and His Spirit being in us. But let me start at verse 21. So if you're looking in a, in a Bible, you can look there with me. Colossians 1, 20, starting at verse 21. This is what it says. Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, Engaged in evil deeds, that's us. What a great description of us, right? We were the ones who in the past were alienated and hostile and engaged in evil deeds. Yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death. In other words, Jesus brought us back to God through His own death. In order to present you before Him, before God, holy blameless and beyond reproach. Right, you got self-esteem problems? <laughs> you struggle with who you are? I want you to understand that what Jesus Christ did on the cross will allow you to one day stand before the Almighty God and you will stand there holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. You're thinking, you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's not me. It is in Him. But I know that's not true of me. I get, I get what you're saying. But in Christ, you are holy, blameless and beyond reproach because everything you've ever done wrong, Jesus paid for it. You get to trade all your junk for all of His righteousness. You get to say, here Jesus, here's all my stuff and it's bad. And you give it to Him. He takes it to His cross. And in its place, He says, here, I got something for you. And He gives you back His righteousness. So that one day you stand before God. It is true of you now. If, you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is already true of you. You are holy. You are blameless. You are beyond reproach. That's not even my sermon. If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established, steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, <clears throat> I do my share on behalf of His body, which is the church, in filling up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. 
Here's the verses we're after. That is, the mystery which was hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to the saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pause and pray. Our Father in heaven, we can think about it, we can talk about it, we can try to figure it out, but it's so much better to be experienced. And I know we'll never get it all. May God help us understand a little more today about this hope. Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was once a mystery. And you may be here today and you're going, why was this a mystery? I'm just telling you for thousands of years it was a mystery that God was going to do something special in Christ. That he was going to do something special in what you and I would refer to as the church. That God dealt with people in one way before the death and resurrection of Christ, but he dealt with people in a different way after that. And so if I can give you a comparison, you remember in the Bible about Abraham, right? Remember Abraham. So he's known as Father Abraham. We have great respect for him. He was a man of, of faith. God <clears throat> made a covenant with him. I mean, Abraham is just, he's one of those heroes of our faith. But understand this, Abraham never knew the mystery. It had never been revealed to him. As wonderful as his relationship with God was, the covenant and all of those things, he didn't understand the mystery. Abraham knew God he knew Christ by faith. He did that. But he didn't know what the mystery was. Abraham knew a Savior was coming, but he didn't know who the Savior was. He believed in a Savior that would one day be revealed. He did not know who that Savior would actually be. Once Jesus came, the mystery could be revealed. And so I just want you to think of it in those terms because here's what's happened. From the time Jesus died and rose again, He sent back His Spirit. And when He was on this earth, He promised us, He said, I'm going away, but I will send back my Spirit. That's not a Spirit that's outside of you. If you believe in Him, it's called the indwelling Spirit of God. So if, if you'd allow me to explain it this way, this is what I would say. You're alive in body. You're alive in mind. But spiritually, deep inside of you, you used to be dead. You were just spiritually dead. And the only way you could go from spiritual death to spiritual life is if God's Spirit came to you and made you live. That's it. Otherwise, you would remain spiritually dead, cut off from God. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't bring yourself to life. Nothing. You just couldn't do it. You were hopeless and helpless. And then God sends His Spirit, and something like a resurrection happens in you. You go from death to life. That's the indwelling spirit. It causes you to live in a spiritual way. And that never changes. That's the mystery. That was the mystery. No one understood that what God was going to do in the future was he was going to send his, his people wouldn't just believe in him. He would dwell in his people. That's the reason in the New Testament, we don't go to a temple. We are the temple. The spirit is in us. And when we read this scripture, I mean, just let it just let it take your mind where it needs to go. This is the mystery. It's been revealed. This is the hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, when it says hope, it doesn't mean hope the way you and I use it mean hope. Because we say, you know, is it going to not rain today? I hope so. 
What does that mean? It means it might rain, it might not. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about. This is the kind of hope that is, it's, it's an assurance. It's a guarantee. Christ in you is the guarantee of glory. It is the absolute assurance of glory. That's the indwelling spirit. That's not a secret anymore. That's the th kind of thing we talk about freely. Now, here's what I want to do today. When we're thinking about the indwelling spirit. It means two things. It means it's going to the spirit's going to move you forward for good, but also the spirit's going to put a foot down, so to speak, and keep you from doing other things you shouldn't. That's what will happen. Um, we use the word conviction sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? You've been thinking about something. You're interested in doing something. It's a temptation to you. You kind of think about that. And the Holy Spirit just comes along and brings conviction. And all of a sudden, you're just really uncomfortable with that. You don't know where it came from, but it came from the Spirit. So the Spirit will move you forward toward good, but it will also push you away from what's bad. And you will live in that experience all of your life. That's the indwelling Spirit. Now, what does it mean to have the Spirit of God within you? I'm going to give you four of these really quick. Okay, Number one, it means you have the presence of Christ to sustain you. If you've got the Spirit of God within you, you have the presence of Christ to sustain you. His presence. If you've ever felt lonely, you're not really alone. You say, well, no one else is here. Well, that's true. Maybe no other person is there. But the Spirit of God is with you. The Spirit of God is in you. And that presence can sustain you. Now, in this room, I, if you're here today and you're thinking, my problems are so bad, can I just tell you there are other people in the room they have really bad problems too? This, this is a room full of people that have struggles. And, and your struggle may be really bad today, and it'll be better next week or next month or next year, but it'll be somebody else. You know, we, we all come in the room with our own kinds of struggles, and, and I, I think it's because of my role as pastor. I hear so many of these, and I hear so much of it, and there's never a time we get together that people aren't dealing with some really heavy stuff. And what is it that gets people through that? It is the presence of Christ that sustains us. It is His presence... His presence that keeps us going. Bob Goff, I told you a little bit about Bob a week ago. Bob and his wife have a big table in their dining room. And uh, they do something kind of like Michelle and I used to do. Michelle and I had a wall in our house. Um, and we would let people sign the wall. So it was like a little half bath thing. And we gave everybody a Sharpie. And when you came to our house, you had to come in and sign and date the wall. You know, everybody. So we just... Even when we sold that house, you know, it was just names and stuff everywhere. It's, it's like a guest book, but it's a guest wall. That's what we did. So Bob, they did something similar. They had a big kitchen table, but what they made people do was crawl under the table and write on the bottom. You want to do that for your friends now, don't you? Uh, you got a table, you get you some Sharpies and make your friends crawl on the floor. Okay, <clears throat> so Bob is telling this story about what he does. And, and they had this one friend who went under and, and signed the table with a word. And the word was with. Like you think he's just getting started. That's the whole thing. With. With. And Bob uses that to say, you know, what was my friend trying to say to me? You know, what was he trying to say to us? This idea of with. And, and I'm telling you, that, that's the kind of illustration of the indwelling presence of Christ. He sustains us because he is always with us always there's never a time that you will ever be separated 
from the presence of God. He is with us. Let me move quickly. Number two, you have the power of Christ to help you. So you don't just have the presence of Christ to sustain you. You have the power of Christ to help you. I'm going to talk about temptation. And by the way, outside of church, does anybody ever use the word temptation anymore? Like, do you ever hear anybody say temptation outside of church? All right, I, I like your friends. Okay. We don't talk about it enough. You know, people talk about choices and they talk about uh, lifestyles and they have other phrases for it. But you and I will often just speak of some of those same choices and same lifestyle choices as temptations. That's what they are. They're temptations. It's something that we don't need to do, but we want to do. Which, by the way, if you don't want to do it, it's not a temptation. Right? It's only a temptation because you want to do it. That's what makes it a temptation. And so here's what you need to know. The power of Christ is there to help you in the moment of temptation. I'm going to, if I say this and it, it, it scares you or hurts your feelings, just know that I'm doing this the best way I know how, okay? If you, if you can see the temptation, like you recognize it, you are not powerless over it. You may do things wrong that you don't even know about. I'm afraid we do that quite often. Like we do things wrong, we don't even think about it, we just did. But if you can, if you can consciously, if you're aware of your temptation, you are not powerless in the face of that temptation. You have the indwelling presence of Christ to keep you from falling. So if you do that thing, it won't be because you were powerless, it will be because you chose to do it. Right? Let's just be honest with it. It won't be because the temptation was too strong. There is no temptation too strong for you because you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you can see it, if you know it's there, then you have the presence of God to direct you another way and the power of God's Spirit to help you. And if you do it anyway, it's all on you. It's all on you. Now, if you do that anyway, does that mean you lose your salvation? Nope. Nope. But it does mean your fellowship with God might hurt a little bit. All you married people, you know what I'm talking about. You, you offend your spouse. I never offend Michelle. I'm sorry. She never offends me. I offend her often. But we're still married. Right? The fellowship can hurt because we're not close today like we should be. Something like that. But the ring stays. Still married. You have a covenant with God. His Spirit dwells within you. You can choose to do something God doesn't want you to do. It may hurt your fellowship some. It will do that. You will reap what you've sown. You will have the consequences of your sin. But He will not leave you over it. That's the grace of God. And you have the power of God to sustain you in these things. So have you ever just said this? I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, you're facing a trial, you're facing a temptation, whatever it is, you say, I can't do it. The truth is, you can. And you will. And you can make the choice to do the right thing, and you can go through the trial. All those things are possible because of the power of Christ in you. Uh, I always think about Paul in the New Testament. So he goes through these towns, and things don't go well. He always starts in the Jewish synagogue, because those are the people most likely to understand the truth about the Messiah. He goes there and he talks to them. He tells them about the Messiah. Some people believe. Some people don't. They wind up kicking him out of town. Usually they beat him or something like that. He was beaten and left for dead more than once. And, uh, and he just kind of you know, gets up, licks his wounds, and keeps going. That's what he does. And so after he does a, a first tour of this, they take a little break and he looks around at his friends. I'm paraphrasing. And he says, hey guys, let's go back. Let's do this again. 
Let's go back to the same places where we've been and see how the believers are. And he goes right back to the same places where they persecuted him, cursed him, beat him, left him for dead. He goes right back anyway. That is not normal. Right? Just not normal. Why would you do something like that? Well, you just do it because that's what God leads you to do. And He will give you the power to do it. Now, just use that kind of as a mirror for your life because God's going to ask you to do some really weird things. At some point, He's going to ask you to do something you think this makes no sense. And you just have to do it. His presence will sustain you and His power will help you then. Let me give you number three. You have the wisdom of Christ to guide you. The wisdom of Christ. Because His Spirit is within you, you now have His wisdom to guide you. And let's face it, it's a dangerous world, right? These are the three big things that, that come before all Christians, okay? just I don't think I have a slide on this. Just write it down. It is so easy to become distracted from your faith. So easy to be distracted. You have a spiritual enemy, and if he can't just hit you with something up front and get you, then his next best option is to distract you from what's true and right and good. That's what he does. He wants to distract you. Uh, I'm using the phone to record today, okay? But these things can be distracting, right? They can distract you from all the important people in your life, starting with God. And then moving to the other people around you, your family, your closest friends. That, that's what it can be. It can be a distraction. That can also connect you to your friends, and that's a good thing. I get that. But it, there's a fine line between connection and distraction. But as a Christian person, this is what can happen to us. We become distracted from the one who is most important. That's Christ. Second thing that can happen to us is we can become derailed. I've watched this happen to people. You know, they're, they're, they're like a train going down the track. They're going the right way. They're honoring God with their life. And then something happens and they literally go off the rails. They are off the track. And I was talking with Margie today about one of the guys that was singing before the service uh, or singing. We, had, we were playing his song. But his name is Wes Green. And Wes and I grew up in church together. And, and, and Wes has this beautiful voice and, and he's just tremendous. And, but then he got to college age and he just derailed. You know, he was just gone. Uh, he wasn't in church. He wasn't talking faith. I mean, he was just, he was just off the rails. And then, um, then he came to our wedding, Michelle and I. And we had a lady singing, uh, one of Michelle's friends singing in our wedding. Her name's Lori. And Wes was running the sound, and Lori was singing, and they had to kind of work together. And fast forward, they're still married. That's the short version of that story. But Lori has always been a person of faith as long as I knew her. And, and she was instrumental with Wes getting back on track. He got derailed for a while, but he didn't stay there forever. And you know how I said a couple weeks ago, we keep asking God for answers and he keeps sending us people? That's how it works. We're saying, God, would you tell me this? Would you give me the answer for that? And God keeps sending people to you who are going to bring you back toward Christ. That's what happened with Wes and Lori. And, and Wes went on to, to continue ministry, and today he has a, a wonderful ministry and some beautiful music. But again, that's what we're talking about. You can get distracted, you can get derailed, and then I'm going to do one more. You can get discouraged. I run into that more than I want to. When it comes to faith and when it comes to church, people get discouraged. Now, 
this is just fair to say. When you come to church and you gather together with the church, you know, the faith family, in general, your expectations are pretty high, right? Like you expect everybody to be on their best behavior. You're at church. Be nice. You, you have high expectations. Sometimes people don't live up to that. They go way south of your expectations. And so, again, it can hurt your feelings, but it can discourage you because you're thinking, these are Christian people. Or I thought they were Christian people. It's supposed to be better than that. And, and the discouragement becomes a very real, real problem. And then there's just all the other things that can happen in your life to discourage you. So much there. But when it comes to faith, you can get discouraged. So that's why we're, we're back to this verse. The hope in you, it's Christ. And He is the one that can keep you from being distracted, keep you from being derailed. He's the one who can bring you back out of discouragement. That's what He does. And that's what you have in the indwelling Spirit. All right, let me do the last one. We're almost out of time. You have the grace of Christ to enable you. The grace of Christ to enable you. The indwelling Spirit makes all these things possible. I don't have a summary on this, so I'm going to read it through. The presence of Christ to sustain you, the power of Christ to help you, the wisdom of Christ to guide you, and then the grace of Christ to enable you. Twice last week, someone sat down with me and said, what makes me so special? I mean, one of them said that exact phrase, and the other one said it in a different way, but both of them were saying the same thing. What makes me so special? What makes me any different? And, and what they were missing out on is how the grace of Christ enables you, just takes ordinary people and helps them do extraordinary things. That's the grace of Christ. Do they deserve that? No. But they get it because of the indwelling Spirit and the grace of God that comes with that. So maybe it's you. You say, well, I don't feel this. I feel the exact opposite. I don't feel like I'm worthy. Look, I've had people say to me before, well, they, they kind of joke. It's like, you know, okay, I walked into church and, you know, the roof didn't fall in or lightning didn't strike or whatever. That, that's the kind of joke they're saying, but they're saying something about not feeling worthy enough to show up at a worship service. Okay, I just want you to know you are missing the point. There's not one worthy person in the room. None of us. Not one worthy person in the room. The only reason any of us have anything is because God is gracious. And for God to be so gracious as to send His own Spirit to dwell in you and then enable you to live a life that honors Him, that's just so far out there for me, I can't wrap my mind around that. It is the grace of Christ that will enable you. So let me say one more thing. This is just kind of a personal thing for me. Every Sunday morning when I wake up, I got something on my mind. And I got, I got a prayer I need to pray. Because here, here's what could happen. What could happen is we could show up here at 9 o'clock, set all this stuff up. People could bring breakfast. Everybody could come in. 10.30 we can have a service. We can all sing some songs. I can get up and talk a little bit. We can all have a great time. We can all leave. And nothing eternally significant could happen that's a real possibility so when I get up on Sunday morning I mean I'm, I'm usually up before the sun comes up and that's on my mind and it's something I'm praying about and this is what I know there's not one thing about Taylor Hodges that can make anything eternally significant happen 
I can't do it. If we have anything happen today that makes a difference forever, that becomes eternally significant, it won't be because of me and it won't be because of you. It'll be because of the Spirit of God in us. That's it. And so if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I can, you know, best I can do is hold down a spot in a chair. That's all I got. Not true. You have the Spirit of God within you. And the Spirit of God will enable you to do His work. Because the eternal things, you can't do that anyway. It always comes from Him. Did you know anybody could preach? Anybody. You might be next. I know, I just scared somebody. Really? Anybody, anybody can, anybody can plug in and do what God gifted them to do. And when they do it, God finds a way to reach through that, to connect to other people. And he does things that matter forever. That's why I call them eternally significant. That's the grace of God. And it happens because of the indwelling spirit. And so I'm looking at you as a group today and I'm like, you know, here's this gifted group of people. You have God's Spirit inside of you. And, and because of that, if you'll just say, okay, God, yes, if you'll just do that, He'll work through you and He'll change people's lives. Kind of sounds scary, doesn't it? He'll change people's lives through you that I'll never meet. You see what I'm saying? That's how He does it. So I want to end it like this. I just want to give the question. Is Christ your hope? Because that's what the scripture is about. That our hope is in him. So is Christ your hope? So we've got the hope of Christ that led us to the mission of Christ, which leads us to value certain things. And that leads us to do certain things. That's how you open the door. It starts with him and it goes out to the people around us. Now, Jesus said that a very different way. In fact, he said it and he quoted it from the Old Testament. God's been telling us this all along. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. It's the same message. It's all through the Bible. And it's your message today. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. I'm going to lead us in a group prayer. And I want to give you time to respond. So you can just pray where you are. You've got a few moments just to talk to God about whatever's on your mind, whatever's in your heart. If you want to come forward and have somebody pray with you, I'll be standing right there. Uh, you can come forward and just pray up here if you want to. But it's your moment to respond to God. And I want you to do that today before you leave. So let's stand together and I'll pray. Father in heaven, you have been so good to us. You've done more for us than we ever realize. And today I'm praying for every one of us in the room to understand a little more of what it means to have Christ in us as the hope of glory. And God, I pray that, that each person today will say yes to you and will respond to you. We give you these moments in Jesus' name. Amen.